tuned up chapter three, and uh, it's not been an easy road. How many of you who have been sitting here thought that James was really easy? Right, like up to this point? That's the, that's the neat thing about the Word of God. In, in my brain, in my brain, I know where I've been and what I've done and how I got to where I got to, right? And now I'm walking with Jesus and something has to change or nothing changes at all. So I don't get offended or burned, burned out by the word, but I take it as an encouragement. Paul, can you turn the game down? We're squawking like terrible up here. Um, but I don't take it as a place to get angry or upset. I don't get frustrated by the word, but rather I look at the word and I look at the effect that it's having on my heart, and it's calling me to something more. It's calling me to something greater. Can you imagine a God who loves me so much that he would write a book 2,000 years ago that would have such an impact on my life today? How did he, if God is not who God says he was, then how did he write these words that have such an impact on me now? And certainly there are ancient books that can impact your life in, in many ways, but there's never been a book in the history of man that has had such an impact for the good on mankind. And certainly that's arguable. But that sweet word of the Lord, that sweetness, that goodness that sometimes comes across like I'm being scolded like a bad little boy blesses my heart. And so James, James today, we're, we're starting out on, on verse 13. And this is like kind of one of those neat things about the church. Remember I was talking about during worship that I used to think that all this stuff was stupid. And now as I get older, I find that there's a lot of value in a lot of the things. So once upon a day, I thought I was pretty wise. I thought I'd have this understanding of, of things. Like, sure enough, I could say that was stupid, and because I said it was stupid, then it must be stupid. <laughs> Anybody else feel like that? Like, you can call something out and beg for it, that's the gospel. That's just the truth. But then you get older, and you're like, huh. Have any of you guys seen the t shirt that said, uh, The older I get, the smarter my parents were? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, boy, you were convinced they were stupid, like, what gets in you old people? Like, clearly you have some kind of stupid on the brain. <laughs> Only to find out that maybe our perspective needed a little shifting. That as we take on a holy perspective to the world and everybody around us, we stop seeing things for the way that the world wants us to see it, but we start seeing it through our spiritual eyes and it transforms our hearts so that we can see and help be a light to the world around us. Because certainly if somebody is unworthy, we've deemed them unworthy, we've taken our, our advanced wisdom and knowledge of the human, and we've, we've put these people in this box, and so they're nothing, right? And we all have those people, I mean, or we have. Well, I don't really like this type of person. This is, and so we think that we're wise. It's funny how every step I take with God and every time I, I get a, a clearer picture of who God is and who Jesus Christ is, I think that that's it. And then he brings more revelation to my heart and just, my mind just keeps getting blown away by the goodness of God, amen? Like he is so good and so mind-bending that when, when I was a little kid in faith, I loved him and was just in awe of him. And now that I'm a little bit farther advanced, I love him, and I am in awe of him. So who is wise and understanding among you? 
By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. I get, I have this problem, and you guys know that I'm an open book, and I live my life wide open, and I let you guys know all my struggles, and you know, all the places that, that like, I think I'm so dangerous smart in, right? But if you ever, if you go on Facebook Reels or TikTok, there's all these people doing all this good stuff and they're taking videos of themselves doing it. Boy, do I struggle with that one. I struggle with that one, but in, in honesty, I don't know their heart behind it. And maybe, maybe they have pure intentions behind it and they're really trying to bring something different for people to see, like their heart is good. They're not doing it to boast necessarily about themselves, but certainly I would think they were. Maybe they're doing it to bring an inspiration to me or to others who are like, wow, I could bless somebody like that. That's really neat. But I think with this meekness and this bringing good conduct, let him show his works, in the meekness of wisdom. And now, if you remember, James says that faith without works is dead. So now, do I bring my works to the table and say, Ha ha, look what I did for you! You should worship me! I'm above you! Or do I serve and love my brothers and sisters just to serve and love my brothers and sisters? Amen. There's something about it. You know, I could be wrong, and, and all this is really just, as I say, the more I get into the Word and the, more, the longer I walk with God, the more I, I have to understand that I don't understand everything yet. Like, I have not arrived at the pinnacle of, of wisdom and intelligence of God. I know that God is perfect love, that He sent His Son for me, a sinful man, and now I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, and He gives me this plan, this plan to to change and alter the surroundings of, uh, around me. And, and I have to, I shouldn't say I have to, but I have to. There's an internal drive in me to do something different than what I've always done. And the beautiful thing about it is that the things that God is calling me to do are even more coming in alignment with the memories and the thoughts that I had about myself when I was a kid before the world got in and made me so dangerous and cynical. Anybody, anybody get cynical over the years and just like, or burned out because people just don't even, they can't even seem to appreciate, or you just try and try and try and you fail and fail and fail and fail, and it's like eventually you're just so hurt and carry around so much scar tissue, it's like, what's the point? And I even forgot where I was and what was going on in my world, and I remember as a little kid, all I wanted to do was be loved. I wanted to be loved. I wanted somebody to actually care about me so much that I could be maybe significant in their life. That maybe somebody would not beat the living tar out of me for saying something wrong, like understand that I was just a kid. That I just wanted to be loved. And then the world took over. And then being molested at five or six years old and then starting drugs at eight years old and, and doing these things and watching his life comes in and just bashes you. But I never forgot the little kid inside of me, the, the heart, the heart inside of me. And so God is reworking something in me to remind me that, remember, friend, remember I created you. Remember that love that I put in your heart. Remember that, that desire to just love people and you want to be loved. And now, friend, I want to rebuild something in you and I want to strengthen that. I want to gird you up and I want to make you to be my vessel so that you can actually go and love people who need to be loved because we're living in a fallen and broken world and kids are dying each and every day because they turn to drugs and alcohol and sex and all these things that aren't fulfill fulfilling for more than a minute. Because at every high and every drunk that you've ever been on comes some sort of pain afterwards, whether it's an internal, whether it's a hangover, whether it's an empty wallet, whatever it is, it's not long-lasting. It's a temporary fix for a longer problem. And so God is reminding me, like, friend, this is who I made you to be, and it's okay. 
pray because of my cynicism that I know things before I give God the opportunity. Before I give God the opportunity to rework something in my brain. And so some people can look and they can draw a conclusion about you. And how many people have been judged and get pretty daggone healed when somebody tells you what they think of you? Because they are so far off. If they took the time to actually know your heart, they would see something greater than even you know you are at this point in time. So to understand that God is always doing a work in you. But what's the difference in the church and how we act and respond to a fallen, broken world? Because if we were doing it right, if we were doing it well, we would be gaining ground on the problem. But all you have to do is pull your head out of the clouds to see that we're not going in the right direction in so many cases. We've got a lot of people doing a lot of really good stuff. But the reputation of the church, the reputation of Jesus Christ, I don't know necessarily that it's gaining any ground, that it's doing anything good. Because somebody learns a little scripture, and then they're out there slamming down to people with the word of God. You can burn in hell, you a sinner. I'm going to hell. I think you're going with me. Let's roll. You see, there's no, there's no heart of Christ in the way that we present the most beautiful message that transitions our lives from the hell that we grew up with to the life that God is calling us to. And so we're not even doing ourselves any good by, by thinking ourselves all that with bag of chips. I have in my notes that says, it is better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. It is better you shut your mouth and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. I mean, so sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel always, and if necessary, use words. So how do, we, how do we stop trying to have to puff up and just be loved? Like, what if we became, what if we became a church, I'm not talking just about Torah, I'm talking about everyone who calls themselves Christian, what if we just became a people that just genuinely loved people? How ridiculous would that be? Like, how life-changing would it be? If you were here last night, there was a little boy here, and God just kept speaking to him. Because the little boy needed to know that he is loved, and it was so beautiful. I'm like, wow, God, this is pretty cool. You see, you guys, no matter what you've been through, no matter where you've been, all that stuff, God can use it for his glory. He can use that stuff. It gives you an influence in the, in the sphere where he's going to send you, where he's going to place you. Right? When I was going to seminary, I remember crying one day because it became very clear to me that I was not good enough. I was not like the other 30 students in my class. I wasn't. I hadn't. I didn't graduate high school, and I'm there working on a master's degree. I wasn't smart. I wasn't well-versed in the Bible. I was been walking with the Lord for a bit. And I went home, and I was crying. And I'm like, God, how much of me needs to die before you can use me? And he said, Fred, what if you are the man that I need you to be for the people that I will send you to? And so each and every one of us has a sphere of influence, whether it's at work, whether it's wherever. You know, you make those relationships sometimes at the grocery store, whatever. You see the one person, or whatever it is, that person is, you know, you smile every time you see them. 
Anybody got that person at the gas station that you see? You're just like, hey, how you doing, man? It's good to see you. You crack this stupid joke and they laugh and you're like, you're my person. <laughs> what happens if you take the time to just love up on it? Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Why would we put that in there? Why would we put that, why would we put that verse in with the one before? He who is wise in understanding among you, by his good conduct, let him show good works and meekness and wisdom. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. See, it felt to me as though God is, God is trying to speak to us about taking on an attitude that is higher than we should be. We elevate ourselves to overcome and be on top of somebody who is struggling or lonely. Versus, how did Jesus come? He came, he came as a man, and he came below us to lift us up. So we are to emulate Jesus Christ in that, and so not think higher than we ought of ourselves so that we can come below people and help lift them up. And actually walk with people. Remember, Jesus rubbed shoulders with the boys for three years. Through all the dirt and stank. I mean, they're in the desert kicking the sand. Their feet, can you imagine their feet? They weren't exactly taking baths every day, I would imagine. They got to know each other. How would you respond if you were Jesus and the boys are still fighting over who's the best? You know what? When you go up there and like, you want to put in a good word to, to God, you know, for me because I'm the best one. So we either have Christians so oftentimes that don't acknowledge their Christianity outside of Sunday morning, or they maybe overstep where they actually are. And they put themselves higher. But how beautiful would it be if we learned to walk with God? Instead of being ungodly. Instead of being unrighteous. Instead of walking as though we're better than others to walk with. You see, that's a pretty hard concept for some of us to get. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. What does the gospel mean? Good news. The good news. And what's so good about it? That we're saved by grace through faith and remembrance that Jesus came to pay for our sins. For the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. It is the Righteous shall live by faith. When you when you grow up, you're taught that you have to prove yourself every single time around every single corner. There's an opportunity to prove that you're right, that you're smart. You're the smarter one in the room. And so we go off with uh, we go off with that. I love the breeze. But we go off our whole lives are functioning out of our belief system. Why is it so important to be right? so oftentimes what we do, right? Like, I'm not going to look a fool. You ever have that person that will, that will fight and argue about every day, everything, and you find out 
that we find out that they're wrong about a lot of stuff. But they're just very confident, they speak very confidently about stuff they have no clue about. It's like, oh my gosh. Or love of Peter, Joseph, and Mary. Wouldn't have been easier to just zip it. But it's not. But this is that, this is that peace. This is that peace for us that we can get to a point where it's okay to not always be that person. Or to think of yourself up here when to bring that spirit of the Lord in, to bring that spirit of meekness in and just walk with people. Instead of giving a definitive answer where you where you're, well, David, it's this way, and that's all there is to it. What would happen if we learned to say, well, no, I, I've kind of studied this a little bit, but if my memory serves me, it's like this. How many of you guys like to listen to a know-it-all? Isn't that just the greatest thing? Because where do you, where do you feel in that, in that when the know-it-all comes to town, where do you feel where do, you, where do you set yourself? You either puff up and try to get over the top of them, or you cower down and, and turn tail and run. What's the difference in the church? What's the difference in the church in the way that we love out in the world? Like, we really, like, this is what I love, and this is what I was talking about. Like, we have to be able to take these looks, these serious looks, into ourselves to see where we can bring change, where we can allow God to bring forth the change in our hearts. Because my identity is a blood-bought child of God. My name is Fred, yes, and sure I've done some things, but those things don't define me. Those things are things that I did. What defines me is the love of the Father. So if I'm not showing the love of the Father first and foremost, then what does it matter all these things that I do? If all I can do is focus on the things that I've done, that I've done, then all I'm doing is puffing myself up. And I'm supposed to boast in Christ alone. Christ alone. So how many of you guys would take a guess, with me being a newlywed, how many times I've puffed up and boasted about how great I am? Uh, and, and more then, than you want. To and then how many, how many different ways do you think I've done it? Right? <laughs> Look here, little lady, it's about time you learn how smart I am. <laughs> would you say once or twice I Certainly not more than that. <laughs> and then if the wife isn't enough, I have four stepchildren who need to know what I know. And they need to learn it now. Like, they just got in it. Right? All those years of good, good learning my stepdaddy gave me, I was going to give it to them. But I'm going to do it in a different way. What do you think they actually need? Love. They need love. They need love. James 3, 14 and 15. Somebody got a new stylus pen. They can draw all the slides and just cool stuff. <laughs> I'm all jacked up about that one. Oh, this is so cool. Alright. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual. What's the last word? Demonic. How many of you guys would think that some of your behavior is actually demonic? Yeah. I like. I think most of us would try and say, "Well, anything but that." But truth be told, 
The word says there's demons, and guess what? There is. There is a Satan who wants to rob, steal, cheat, and destroy you. He doesn't care about you. He wants you dead. And if he can't kill you outright, he wants your reputation dead. And we play right into it sometimes. Bitter jealousy. When somebody gets something around you and it's bigger and better than you have. How many of you have the ability to genuinely be absolutely happy for them? Like, like no, no, I've been wanting one of those things for about a hundred years. Now you got one and I don't. But to just honest and genuinely be happy that somebody got something. You see, we can all say, well, that ain't me. But where did the term keeping up with the Joneses come from? If that wasn't a real thing, then why is this saying part of our, our normal existence? Because who says you need this or you need that? It's a mark of success. It's a mark of, you know, like, look, I've worked hard and I got this. <coughs> Is that a bad thing? Is stuff a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing at all. What's bad is when we define ourselves by the stuff that we have. Right, we don't need that. When we go back to those TikTok and Reels videos, what is the point of showing the entire world and getting 360K for views on a Reels as you're handing out 20 bucks to a homeless guy? You see, It'd be wrong for me to judge because I don't know the intent of that person. My hope and my prayer is that that person is not stuck in that rut where they're trying to gain popularity by doing good. But rather, the good that they do is to just do good for the glory. See the difference? And if any of you have sat here for long enough, you know that like when we do King's Kid, we don't put up big porn posters, and we don't have matching t-shirts, we don't do any of that. And maybe that's ignorant on my part. But I absolutely refuse to do it. You see, I just want to spread the love of God. I don't give a rip or a stinky do if this church makes it or not. I mean, I do, but it's up to God. It's up to God whether this church makes it or not. It's not up to a beautiful banner that says Torn Ministries. It's not up to 30 t-shirts 30 running around having fun. It's about the love of God working through his children and blessing the hearts of those around us. That's it. That's the whole intention is simply to love people. God will fill the churches. And we'll help him by loving people. So do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes that comes down from above. So I can't get stuck in judgment. I might be able to discern or maybe feel like I have a good understanding of why certain people are doing whatever they're doing. But is it right for me to judge them? Because wouldn't it be just as easy for the enemy to put that same thought in my head and it's wrong? 
But what if my heart posture is truly, simply to love? Back to Romans chapter 2. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Does that feel like hot now? Nice and soft and fuzzy like a bunny's tail? You see, but we, we tend to want to preach the nice stuff that makes us feel good. But I'm sorry, beloved, if we don't ever learn the truth, guess what? It's a one-way ticket to Hades. Period. You need to learn the truth, for the truth is what sets you free from the eternal path to hell. But when God told me to preach the message different than I've been doing for 13 or 14 years, to really get to the heart and get to the meat and get to the things that matter, it was hard to do. Because when I hear this, I think, I can easily think about a main angry God. Whose choice is that? Ours. Whose choice is it for me to walk in righteousness or unrighteousness? To know the truth or, or to follow the stuff that I know isn't true? Why is it so important? What does it say in Matthew 28, 19, and 20? What are we to teach people? To obey all his commands. To keep them. To hold them. To walk them out and, and do it. What does that do to the heart of the father? If, if you're a father, what, is, what does it do to your heart as you see your children? Even if you're a mom. What does it do to your heart when your children are disobedient and disrespectful? How does that feel? So if you give your child a choice, you're going to be home by 10 o'clock, or I'm taking the car for a month, and you're grounded for six months. And they come home at 10.05. What do you do? Do you hold true to your word? You said, I said 10 o'clock. You came home at 10.05. Tell me what stops you from getting here on time. And it better be truthful. It better be a good day of story. Right? 17-year-old has a car now. And these are things that are going to come up. Like, <laughs> for those of you who've been there, Gavin, you, you probably already know. Do you enable them to keep pushing? Or is it important for them? Is it, are these values that they're learning? that you want to set them up so that they do better than you did. Like the things that we learned by screwing stuff up can now be used on, on this next generation to help them rise up above it. But instead it seems so many people want to just buy their kids stuff and be their best friend, and they go out into the world and they don't know how to learn, they don't know how to work. They, you can talk to a lot of people in business you, that say these kids just don't know anything. on us. But now back to God. The word's right here. They obey unrighteousness. Those who obey unrighteousness, will, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first and also the Greek. So does that mean you have to be straight lined, perfect, absolutely wonderful, or you're going to hell? How many of y'all have screwed up? Right? Because we all screw up, amen? Where's your heart? 
How does somebody tell you that you don't have to repent? So, well, Jesus paid for my sins, they're already forgiven. True. He did. It says it in the Word. But what about a repentant heart? What about a heart that is able to receive conviction and know the wrongs, repent from it, and turn from that? Is that a heart that is given to God, that is sold out to God? Because, man, sometimes the devil makes some things look really, really good. Right? Like, well, maybe just this one time. But you know better. So the, let's say Satan paints this really cool picture for you. And you know that it's not good. Right? But you do it anyways. And you get caught doing it. Whose fault is it? Did God let you down? Or did you let you down? Right, like, that little thing in you that said, don't do that, that's likely the Lord. That little thing in you says, ah, don't worry about it. No cop, no stop. Huh. Anybody pull that one? <laughs> you don't put on blinkers because there's nobody near you? <laughs> Um, 65 is just as good as 55 when you're out on the country road and ain't nobody around? I'm talking about you people, I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> so what happens when the cops behind the trees and you know you're rolling wrong? Uh-oh. That's crazy, they hit the gas. Which some of us have done. They don't recommend it. Whose fault is it? Like, honestly, beloved, some of us don't even need the devil to tempt or push us. No. Amen? Amen? Like, we're just wrapped up in some stupid thoughts. Let's just be straight honest about it. Like, man, I've gotten away with this forever, and I ain't changed it. It's just, it's okay. You think you're so right that there's absolutely no reason to change your delivery when it is literally tearing people up around you. Well, I guess they're just soft. Better toughen up. Life's hard. It's time to learn. <laughs> I, asked my, I asked my stepdad once when I came back from the Persian Gulf we were on the and I didn't believe in the Lord then. Why, why have you beaten me my whole life? What's the point? He said, I never beat you. And I grabbed him by his face and I slammed his head into a steel post. And I said, do you want to think about that again? And I'm not condoning that behavior, but that's where I was before the Lord. And he looked at me and he said, Fred, I raised you hard because the world's hard. So for him and his thinking, that was rational. But for anybody with a rational mind would understand it's irrational to beat your kid like that. For him, that's the way he was raised and that's what he needed to do. I fight battles every day because of the way that I was raised and the things that I know to be right and or effective. But what I'm doing is I'm creating a chasm where you can't even see the amount of love that I have between where I am and where you are because I drove you over there. I pushed you away being right. But what good does it do? You see, if I were to humble my heart and actually ask God, Father, what do I do? Anybody quick-witted? You got an answer for everything in about a half a millisecond? <laughs> gotcha, right? So how does that work? How does it work when somebody you love angers you? 
And you got that, you got that answer rapid fire style. Machine gun. Gotcha. You're right. But not the same message delivered in love. And a discussion ensues. One's going to create a castle, and one's going to close it. And Jesus came to close the castle to show us that it wasn't about the law, but it was about the love of the Father, it was about the grace of the Father, it was about faith in Jesus Christ, that, that somewhere inside of us we all need to be searching for something, and that something is that nudge, that presence of God that just says, you know what, you're going to be okay. Like, hold on, just be right. How did Jesus say, do what you can to do, friend, on the night he was betrayed, when he was in the garden? And remember, old boy came up to him. After he had just talked to the Roman guards, and he said, the one that I'm going to kiss is the one that you seek. And he walked up to Jesus, and Jesus was like, I already know what you're here for. Come and do what you came to do. He kissed him, and the guards took him. And he suffered death on the cross for us. You see, we're to emulate Christ. And though we have a mission to do, what are we, what are we to learn out of it? James 3. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. How many people in this world are out there destroying other people for their own gain? How many of us do it in our own house? You see, because my need, my need to be right and to set the tone for my home drives me to cause that chasm. That's selfish ambition on my part. I can be right, but maybe there's a different model. You see, I'm not coming into this thing new. They have a system set up. Whether I find it to be functional or dysfunctional doesn't really matter. I need to figure out how to love so that they're willing to receive what I have to give. But if all I can do is talk about how right I am, I'm just going to drive them away. And I can, mask, I can mask selfish ambition all day long, but guess what I will never, ever have? I will never, ever, ever have five people that I just got into a relationship with. I will never have them clone me perfectly. And the funny thing about cloning me perfectly, and I've had this conversation with God, is like, and maybe you guys have had this with yourself, but like, why can't people just think like me? Why do they got to be so stupid? Like, it's just stupid to run your mouth the way you run your mouth. Like, just ignorant. Just think like I do. And then God one day said, hey, Fred, how many times in your infinite wisdom have you been absolutely miserable by the choices that you Oh, snap. Like, I love God, but man, sometimes he throws me out of your It's just like, I know I'm going to be better for this after, after a while, but this one's going to take a minute for me. James 3.17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial How are you in your delivery of these things? Does confrontation have to produce conflict? Can we get to a point in America again and in our homes where we can have a difference of opinions and speak about things peaceably? You 
The only way that we can do these things is to fully surrender our wills over to God's will, to, to walk like he walks, and we're not going to be perfect in this. He understands that, and he's willing to walk with us and walk with us through it all. But if you're like me, you're going to struggle with that. Like sometimes I just want the dang lesson learned now. The one kid who likes to borrow power tools from me. So I've always grown up that if you borrow a man's tools, you use it and then you return it. The man should never have to beg you for your stuff, for his stuff back, ever. If you do that, you are some kind of low-life, despicable, miserable pile of used and trash. Just, it's like, that's how a man makes his living, and you're going to take his living from him? Like, it, it doesn't matter? You see, I have these things in my brain. It's like, I don't know what they're about. But I learned that. I love my wife and I love the children. But I, maybe I'm angry. I just figured they're older and they're going to know stuff. What's assuming you? Oh, yeah, they know. You and me, So the deal is, is how can I expect them to know what they don't know? So is it right for me to be angered because of something that I've known for a long time, or would it be more important that I walk with them in peace and love and help them to understand it? To bring it in a way that they can receive it. And what happens if I gotta give that same message five times? At what point do I just say, you're stupid and you're never gonna get it? We all got our number. We might not be able to uh, say it, but we all got our number. Full of mercy, that one is. Because then three times, then I get to drop the hammer. The hammer of righteousness, and yes, it really falls to burdens. Maybe not here, but here. But I can't do that. I can't keep doing that. I can't keep doing it because it doesn't feel good even when I do it. Because wisdom from God brings a pureness or a wholeness of peace and joy. It leaves persons feeling restful in spirit. Not all are open to reason, but puffed up to protect what they believe they have. False belief. Can I try to get through this next one really quick before you all get out of here? Hebrews 12, 11 from the message says, God is educating you. That's why you must never drop out. He's treating you as dear, as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children, only irresponsible parents leave children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? Sometimes the only way you're going to learn something, even though you know better, is to walk through the fire. I can tell you the story about my fire walking. Do you think my parents didn't tell me that fire would burn? But somehow I had to eat a log that was on fire from the fire pit to prove that I was tough. What I proved was I was ignorant. You ate it? I chewed it out of the fire. I bent down and picked it out of the burning fire because I was tough. I told you that I wanted to be a rock and roller, right? That's what a rocker does. Bites the heads off of bats and eats burning logs from fire pits. It doesn't get any cooler than that, man. But if you're watching, that's not real. I'm kidding. But somehow, my ignorant self had to learn that lesson. You didn't bite the head off a bat, did you? No, I didn't. That's 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 that's
chewing logs out of fire pits is much better than being in that awful house. All right, James 3.18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. How do we win souls for Jesus Christ when all we can do is be obstinate to the love and the grace and the blessing of our Father? You know, these are, I hope and pray that we get it as a point to learn. You know what I'm saying? That's important. That we start to get it, that we start to just do things differently. Otherwise, why do we sit in these places? We got a nice, nice breeze in here tonight, but last night was hot and sweaty. Like, I'd much rather have been sitting at the party, the, the wedding reception, and having a nice cold water and watching all the people have fun. The righteousness of God in its full manifestation in the world, for which Christians are yearning, and for which at that time the Jews in particular were yearning also, is a harvest fruit which has to be sown by the peaceful demeanor of the peacemakers. There are some places that think by pounding you to death, Remember the old fire and burnstone you heard about it? And so the message was one of, you're going to burn in hell if things don't happen this way. Versus the peace of Jesus Christ, the love of the Lord. Yeah, you're going to burn in hell as long as you're Jesus Christ, straight up. It's just the way it is. But hopefully along this journey, we learn that that decision is not ours. And that we learn to love brothers and sisters, to love all those around us for who they are, beloved creations of God the Father, amen? Yeah. So Lord, we love you and we thank you, we thank you for this day, we thank you for who you are, Lord. You are almighty, you are beautiful and amazing, we just thank you that you humble us. And so Father God, I just pray a special anointing over this entire congregation those in person and those who are watching, that, Father God, you would shower them with your love. Give them the courage and the audacity to make a change. Where changes need, Father God, Holy Spirit come. Come and fill us each and guide us. That we would be loving, peaceful vessels. 